0: Um, I'm not really preaching a sermon this morning since we are actually today going to be doing a dedication service. So, um, you're going to take your Bibles out. If you don't have your Bible, you can follow along with me. We're going to put it on the overhead for you. I promise it'll be accurate. Amen. Um, most of the text I'm taking today is from the new, uh, King James version. Uh, also want to, um, Mentioned one other thing that wasn't on the CVN because they didn't have time to get it on there because it just happened is we got another brand new baby in the church. That makes seven and three more on the way. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Lila Michelle Houston was born to Mac and Lorne. Lorney's one of our worship team members. And I don't know if y'all saw her up here. She's like, she was all pregnant just in one spot, you know. <laughs> Some ladies get pregnant from head to toe, you know, and she was pregnant. One little, she had one little bun right there. Well, it was a beautiful little girl. She's healthy and, um, everything is going well. Mom's doing good. So we're excited for them today. Uh, excited to be celebrating our very first service in this new sanctuary. It's going to be a very special day today. Uh, a lot of people are going to be celebrating with us in the future. Uh, But I wanted to take this first Sunday and just kind of make this something special just among ourselves and our friends and family members and those coming to share this day with us, because we're going to be doing actually a building dedication later in the fall after we kind of work out some of the uh, details of the new equipment and that kind of thing. What we're planning to do today is dedicate the altar. Uh, In a few weeks from now, what I want to do is plan a service and invite all those that's helped us in this process because uh we've done most of this work ourselves. you know and there's been a lot of people and people outside the church that have come alongside of us and helped us and so i wanted to have just a special service just to thank them and so we'll be doing that and then sometime this fall maybe in october we will be doing a, a special building dedication but today i want to dedicate ourselves to the lord rededication of ourselves and dedicate this altar as a very special place. Because we are really just stewards of God's possessions. I don't know if you realize it, but you don't own a blasted thing. And neither do I, including myself. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20 says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own for you were bought with a price therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's so throughout history God's people has dedicated themselves and their possessions to the Lord and so having an act of dedication is not something that's uncommon. It's not something that's new. In fact, we find it throughout the Scripture. It's it's a biblical practice is to have a time of dedication where you have a special time where you specifically focus on something and dedicate that to God. Uh, we see a dedication of the altar in Numbers chapter 7, verse 1. It says, now, it came to pass when Moses had finished setting up the tabernacle that he anointed it and consecrated it and all of its furnishings and the altar and all of its utensils. So he anointed them and consecrated them. In verse 10, it says, now the leaders offered the dedication offering for the altar when it was anointed so that the leaders offered their offering before the altar. For the Lord said to Moses, they shall offer their offerings one liter each day for the dedication of the altar. So what we're doing today um, is I'm going to be talking about this rock that's up here in a little while. And some of you, a long time ago, I told you we're going to have rocks in the the, uh, altar. And I had you bring a rock, write your favorite scripture on it. Um, What I want you to do for the rest of the month of October... I want you to find a rock. If you've already brought one, that's fine. If you haven't, you can find one. And I want you to write uh, your favorite scripture on there. I'd also like for you to write your name on that rock and bring it here to the church. And we're going to have it as a part of our altar. They'd also offer silver, gold, and bronze in Second Samuel chapter 8. It says in verse 3, David also de- defeated Had- Hadazar. When Toa, the king of Haman, heard that David had defeated all the armies of Hadazar, then Toa sent Joram, his son, to King David to greet him and bless him because he had fought against Hadadar and uh, defeated him. For Hadadar had been at war with Toa. And Joram brought with his articles of silver, with him articles of silver and of gold and of bronze. Verse 11 says, King David also dedicated these to the Lord along with the silver and gold that he had dedicated from all the nations which he had subdued, from Syria, Moab, Ammonites, the Philistines, Amalek, and the spoils of Adazar, the son of Rehob, king of Zobah. So he, we dedicate our, we give, that's why we bring our offering. That's not yours. Your money doesn't belong to you. Actually, we say, well, we're going to give God his part. It's all his part. He only requires 10%. And then your offerings, and then your your, uh, uh, yeah. I have those moments, you know. It's like it was there and it's gone. They also offered their vessels. First Kings chapter seven verse one it says, "But Solomon took thirteen years to build his own house, and so he furnished all his house." And verse fifty one, said, "So all the work that Solomon." king solomon had done for the house of the lord was finished and solomon brought in the things which his father david had dedicated the silver and the gold and the furnishings and he put them in a treasury of the house of the lord so not only do we dedicate and bring our offerings but we dedicate different things in the church um i'm going to be challenging some people to just have a time of dedication just among themselves in different aspects of the ministry. The worship team can dedicate all these instruments to the Lord as an act of dedication. Things like that would not be at all without, uh, outside the framework of scripture. Uh, in First King Chapter 8, he dedicated the temple, verse 63, it says, Solomon offered a sacrifice, a peace offering which he offered to the Lord, 22,000 bulls and 120,000 sheep. So the king and all the children of Israel dedicated the house of the Lord. We also see that they dedicated the walls of Jerusalem in Nehemiah chapter 12. It says, now at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought out the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, both with thanksgiving and singing with cymbals and stringed instruments and harps. So even the walls around the place was dedicated to God. And finally, the last thing is they dedicated their private dwellings in Deuteronomy 20 verse 5. It says, then the officer shall speak to the people saying, when a man there has, who has built a new house and has not dedicated it, let him go and return to his house, lest he die in the battle and another man dedicate it.' So that's why we, some people will build a home. They'll say, pastor, would you come over and bless our home? Well, basically what that's doing is it's dedicating. That's not a jet. That's our air conditioning. That's a 20 ton unit firing up over there. And it's a little noisy. We can't quieten it down, but you won't even notice it three weeks from now. Trust me. So we dedicate these things to God. They dedicated prophets. They dedicated priests. They dedicated kings, dedicated babies. They dedicated Jesus at the temple. They dedicated Samuel, dedicated apostles, deacons, elders. And so all those things are biblical. So the act of dedication is what we're doing Today, It's actually a declaration. What we're doing is saying this belongs to the Lord. I and we acknowledge this before everybody that this is the Lord's and I will view it and treat it with respect and with reverence. And so the act of dedication is something serious. The Bible says it's better not to even make a vow than to make a vow and then break it. You know, I did a sermon a while back about the fear of God. People don't fear God anymore. Some of the things that people do, Christians, clear indication that they have no fear of God. And we need to t- understand that God takes these things very seriously. In Leviticus chapter 22, verse 1 through 3, it says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and to his sons, that they separate themselves from the holy thing of the children of Israel, and that they do not profane my holy name by what they dedicate to me. I am the Lord say to them, whoever of all your descendants throughout your generations who goes near the holy things, which are the children of Israel dedicate to the Lord while he has uncleanness upon him, that person shall be cut off from my presence. I am the Lord. So what he's saying is once you've dedicated that to me, when you approach that, you need to approach that with reverence and with holiness and respect, not with uncleanliness. Because in the Old Testament, you were cut off. That means they whacked you from the presence of people. It was serious business. So the altar dedication, it was a very special part when they dedicated the temple. In 2 Chronicles 7, verse 8-11, it says, At the time Solomon kept the feast seven days, and all Israel with him, a very great assembly from the entrance of Hamath to the brook of Egypt. That's a very big area. Verse 9, and on the eighth day, they held a sacred assembly. For they observed the dedication of the altar seven days. And the feast, and they feasted for seven days. On the 23rd day in the seventh month, he sent the people away to their tents joyful and glad of heart for the good that the Lord had done for David... For Solomon and for his people Israel. Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house, and Solomon successfully accomplished all that came into his heart to make in the house of the Lord and in his own house. Now, this is a New Testament altar. And what we find in the Bible is all of the altars that you see built and dedicated were all actually in the Old Testament. We don't find a New Testament. Example of building and dedicating an altar Uh, because that was actually something that they did in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, the New Testament believer, the last altar that we really look at that was a physical, tangible altar was a wooden cross on Calvary, and the ultimate sacrifice was laid upon that cross. And after that, he says that actually the veil was rent, the veil that separated people from the presence of God was rent in two because when you went into the tabernacle or into the temple you would go into the outer court first thing you'd see was an altar of sacrifice then beyond that was the brazen labor then you would go into the holy place where you had the menorah the candlestick you had the, t- the table of showbread or the altar of showbread and the altar of incense which represented the prayers of the saints then you had the veil that separated that from the holy of holies Behind that was the Ark of the Covenant where the cherubims covered, touched their wings over the mercy seat. And that was the altar of God. Man couldn't go there. That's where the presence of God was. Only the high priest, who Jesus was, our high priest, could go in there once a year and he would go with blood and he would sprinkle. He would actually sprinkle everything with blood, everything outside the court, inside the court, and the holy of holies. Jesus applied his blood Once and for all. And now he says, you are the temple of God. The spirit of God dwells in you. The altar of God is right here in the New Testament. It's in my heart. And Jesus has made a new covenant with man. So in the New Testament, we are not just limited to a physical altar. But we have a spiritual altar as well as a physical altar. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 10, it says, We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. For the bodies of these animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside of the camp. Verse 12, Therefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Therefore let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach for here. We have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. Therefore by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name, but do not forget to do good and to share for with such sacrifices. God is well pleased. You see our gift today that we bring, we bring to Jesus outside the camp. And it's a gift of sacrifice of praise and the fruit of our lips. It's when we we lift up his name and when we share his name uh, with other people. That's why he said, go into the world and preach the gospel. That's how you sacrifice to God is with the fruit of your lips. So when we look at that, we say, well, pastor, are you saying that churches shouldn't have altars? I mean, there's been altars in churches as far back as we can remember. Am I I trying to introduce something new? No, I'm not introducing anything new because that's not saying that we can't have altars and shouldn't have an altar in church. In fact, Jesus on the Mount Olivet Discourse, also known as the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7, Jesus goes up on the mountain and he starts preaching. He said something like this in verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Then he said, Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty. Blessed are the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemaker. Those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. He said, blessed are those who revile and persecute you. He goes on to say, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. All these are clearly addressing the New Testament believer. Amen? So he's addressing the, the church. It's relating to the Christians. Verse 17, he says... Do not think that I came to destroy the law of the prophets. I didn't come to destroy, but to fulfill them. And then he goes on down in verse 23. He says, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there, remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. So Jesus is telling us that we have an altar and we should have a place where we can come where we can bring our gifts and where we can minister to the body of Christ. <clears throat> the altar and the, it's, its purpose and its meaning has changed in the new Testament because the altar now has become a place of commitment and dedication. It's a place where I dedicate myself to God, where people come and according to Matthew five twenty three, they bring their gifts to the altar. People bring their life to the altar of God I mean how many altars throughout the history of the church have people knelt before it and literally laid their life down and said God I give you my life I give you my heart I give you my soul I give you my whole being and that's done many times at an altar it doesn't have to be a person can give his life to Christ anywhere sometimes when I have an altar call I'll invite people to come to the altar sometimes I'll tell people you make that commitment right there where you are because simply coming to an altar won't do anything but give you an exercise to walk down this, the, this, the, the aisle if you don't mean it in your heart. And, and I've shared this with you. One Sunday, I, there was a lot of people at the altar, and the Lord spoke to me and said, many of the people will go back to their seat the same way they came." Many of them were weeping before the Lord. And God says, they're sorry for their sin, but they have not repented of their sin. A lot of people are sorry that they've sinned, but repentance is a different thing. Repentance means turning from your sin and turning to God. So it's all a conditioning of your heart. It's not necessarily the altar that does that. It's what takes place in your heart wherever you are. But the altar is a very good place for people to dedicate things to God because it has that meaning and it has that purpose. People lay their, they give God their jobs and their families and their possessions and it's a place where you can find peace for your soul. God has told us that uh, we should have a special place, a place where we assemble. Hebrews chapter 10 also all Hebrews chapter 10 11 12 and 13 is all talking about the difference between the old testament form of worship and the new testament form of worship. And it talks about the fact that Jesus is our high priest and he didn't go into a temple made by hands. Which was just a it was just a sample of the real temple in heaven, but he went into that temple not every year with the blood of bulls and goats, but he went into that temple in heaven once and for all with his own blood and presented it before the Lord and it cleansed actually the instruments and if you study that it 's a very interesting study to study Hebrews ten eleven twelve and thirteen. Because what you will find is that the sin that Adam committed in the Garden of Eden, it tarnished and soiled the very instruments in the tabernacle of the temple of heaven. And when Jesus went there, he said that those things were cleansed by his blood. And he made a way for you and I to be uh, acceptable in the sight of God. In Hebrews 10, 9, it says, Therefore, brethren, have boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, By a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil. That is his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as we see that day approaching. You see, in the New Testament pattern of worship, God instructed us to come together, to assemble together, and we have erected places like this, dedicated for that special purpose. People to come together and assemble together because that's what God instructed us to do. And so today we're going to dedicate the altar, and there's no, really no special way to do that. I've been doing some research and trying to find a pattern, and there, there aren't any. In fact, one of the handbooks that I have for pastors, it says there's no special way to do this. Use your own creativity. So I chose to use a stone. And I've asked you all, if you want to, I mean, this is entirely up to you, to bring a rock, write your favorite scripture on it. And uh, you can put your name on it. You can put a date on it if you want to. Uh, because stones are just cool, man. I just, there they are, I was looking at this one. Actually, this stone, and I had another one very similar to this that I used in the other sanctuary that I'm going to actually put as a part of the altar here. It's got a bunch of names written all over it, and it—I don't know—it it started looking a little tacky, so I, I thought I wanted one to look a little more clean. That's my oh, what do you call it, OCD thing going on here? Uh, but this one, actually, uh, I had a wet paint place on my property, and I got back there scratching around with a backhoe years ago, and found out that there was a spring there. And uh, my property is that what they call crawfish clay. But if you dig deep enough, you start hitting sand and real smooth river pebbles. And I dug up this big white stone and a bigger one. And it was really neat because there's no rocks on my land hardly. It's just mud more or less. Till you get down about four or five feet into the ground and then you start hitting sand. And that and I dug it out. I was like, man, that is just a cool looking rock, you know. And I was looking at it and, and I was telling Jeannie, I said, Jeannie, god made that and just how did he do that you know and it didn't take five hundred six thousand gabillion years like scientists say for that to form it it makes me so mad when i watch the history channel and they throw this stupid stuff at me 600 billion years i'm like the earth is not that old dog (laughs) and you're a smart guy right because i did a study years ago on granite And inside of every piece of granite, you'll find those little shiny things. It's called mica. I don't remember the scientific name, but we call it mica. It's encased in every piece of granite at every depth in the earth all over the world. You can dig up a piece of granite. They all have that in common. They have mica. And on the face of that mica, each flake of mica, there are three nuclear isotopes. One of those, and I forget, it's plutonium-218, I think it is. think it is the half-life of it is like point zero 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 or something I mean a long number like this long which simply means in layman's terms for that to be recorded on the face of that piece of mica encased inside of a piece of granite that had to solidify quicker than that or it could not be there scientifically that could have not taken thousands of years to form Or that could not be there. It's scientific proof that when God said, let dry land appear, it appeared instantly. That's what's so cool about rocks. God made that. And he knows that rock from every other rock on the world. In fact, he knows what's inside. I could just keep going, man. That thing is just cool to me, brother. The more I think about it, the cooler it gets, you know. But there's something permanent about that. And in the Bible, they used rocks a lot. In fact, they would used them to build altars. There's actually four things they build altars out of. They would build earthen altars by the instruction of God. They also build most of them out of stones. They would build them out of wood overlaid with bronze. And then they built them out of wood overlaid with gold, like what was used in the tabernacle and in the temple. But there were many, many different altars built. The very first one we see mentioned in the Bible was Noah built an altar when he came off the ark. Abraham built three altars. Isaac built an altar. Jacob built altars. Uh, The only one that I have listed this morning that was not built out of stone was built by Moses. Joshua built altars. Gideon. Manoah was the father of Samson. Uh, when an angel appeared to him, he built an altar and offered a sacrifice. And he wasn't sure if this was an angel or a man. You remember that story? And as he talked to him, said the angel was caught up in the fire from the altar. And he's like, whoa, baby, that was an angel. And so he went and uh, told his wife it was, it was an angel after all. Um, Samuel built an altar, David, Elijah. The stones were also used for memorials which is really what I'm wanting to do today because necessarily we're not going to try to build an Old Testament altar. I, don't, I really don't think that would be appropriate because I don't see any place in the Bible that would instruct us to do something like that. Nevertheless, they did use stones for memorial, and I think that's very, very good thing to do. And the scripture that I wrote on here, I t- take from this next passage, and I'm going to uh, read this, and then we're going to go ahead and do our dedication. Joshua was probably one of the best biblical examples of who Jesus would be. In fact, the Hebrew name for uh, Joshua and the Greek name for Jesus is the same, Yahshua, Spelt basically the same. And Joshua was the leader of the people. The people followed the Lord all the days of Joshua. And in the very last chapter of Joshua, chapter t- Joshua chapter 24, is when he tells them, he says, Choose you this day whom you shall serve. If you think it's evil to serve God, choose this day whom you will serve. Either gods that your father served on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land we now dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And what he's doing is he's making a, he's dedicating himself to God. He's saying, I don't know what you're going to do. That's for you to decide. But as for me... I am dedicating myself to God and my family. My household will serve God. And then he goes on and he, he starts asking them, what are you going to do? And they said, we're going to serve God. We're going to serve God. And the whole congregation made a commitment and a dedication to serve God. And it says in verse 29, then Joshua wrote these things in a book of the law of God, and he took a large stone and set it up there under The oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. For Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness to us. For it has heard all the words of the Lord, which he spoke to us. It shall therefore be a witness to you, lest you deny your God. Now, I did a little study into that years ago. How can a stone hear the words of God? But did you know that rocks actually can hear and they actually can speak? Remember Jesus said that when when, the, when he was walking into the city and they were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, and the, and the Pharisees, tell them to shut up. He said, if they shut up, the rocks will cry out to me. How many of you remember the old eight track tapes? You plug in your eight track and then after that, we got real sophisticated. Well, at first it was reel-to-reel. And then we got eight-track. And then we got real sophisticated and had cassette tapes. Remember that? You know what's on the face of a tape? Stone. It's crushed stone. It's recording music or voices or whatever, and it's emitting that. So it's actually a form, and there's other ways, but... Some of you scientific people can do some more research on that. Uh, brother Walt, there you go, brother. That was, a, that was a good one for you. You guys, if you're not coming out on Wednesday night for the Wednesday night Bible study, man, we got some Bible scholars in here. Pastor Joel, is that guy knows more scripture and can quote it and memorize it. He remembers stuff he read in school. I don't know how he does that. Guy's got incredible memory. So anyway, there's a challenge for you. How to stone speak in here, brother. That'd be a good teaching for you. But today we're going to memorialize with this stone. This is a very special place. And I'm going to challenge you over the next week to add to that. Because what you're saying when you bring that stone is like, God, I'm dedicating my life to you. And as long as you call me here to this church, I'm committing myself to this ministry to serve you here. It's important to do this kind of things. Because there's going to be times that the enemy is going to challenge you. And it's going to be tempting to turn and run from God and to run from the pledges and commitments that you've made. But if you've got something that's rock solid reminding you, you made a commitment. And if you fear God, I've got a marriage certificate that hangs on the wall in my bedroom. It's been hanging there for 41 years. Everywhere we've ever lived, that hangs in our bedroom because our bedroom rep- represents a very sacred and holy and intimate place. And that is there to remind me that in July the 20th. I mean, at, uh, that's when I met her. December, I met her July the 20th, married her December the 20th. <laughs> <laughs> Long engagement. <laughs> I would have married her sooner, but her dad wouldn't let me. <laughs> On December the 20th, 1974, I made a vow before God that I would take her for better or worse, richer or poorer, sickness and health, but love her, honor and cherish her till death parts us. And so sometimes when I'm tempted to, I've never thought about divorce, thought about murder a few times, but (laughs) she's thought about it more than I have. I've got something reminding me of a vow that I took and I fear God and I fear that vow and it has helped me to my course more times than I'd like to remember. So we want to recognize that setting up a stone, it's, 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 it's biblical. Uh, Jacob did that. Remember when he laid his head on the pillar and he saw the angels ascending and descending from heaven's Jacob's ladder and says, when he woke up, he took that stone and he set it up and he said, this will be called Bethel for it is the house of God. And he set that stone up as a memorial. Later on, when he went to his father, to his father-in-law, what would be his father-in-law Laban, and he was prosperous and he took his wife and his families and they're running away and Laban caught up with him and they made a covenant. It said a pile piled stones and they made an agreement. It said, you will not come past these stones to me and I will not come past these stones to you to do you harm. And so they made a covenant that day and it was a memorial to remind them of the covenant that they had made. Sadly, many of the places in America today have taken down the stones that we set up called the Ten Commandments to remind us. Of a covenant that we had with God. We still have with God. God didn't come to do away with those commandments, but to fulfill them. In the Jordan River, Joshua, when they crossed the river, he instructed them to get one stone for each of the tribes of Israel. And where the priest had put their feet in the Jordan River, when it parted, he piled those stones where the priest's feet are, and they're there to this day. I'd love to find those. That would be a really cool place to get baptized, wouldn't it? By those stones. Samuel put up a stone called an Ebenezer stone. It was a reminder that God had given them a victory over their enemies. And so when they would get into battle and it looked like that they were losing hope, they would look back and they would see that stone, the Ebenezer stone. And it was a reminder, God has been there for you before and God will be there for you again. So today we're going to set up a stone. Actually, what I want to do is I want to leave this one on the altar because we talked about what are we going to do with all these rocks and I don't know if having a big pile of rocks left here in front of the altar would be. I think Nancy would probably kill us all trying to clean around. (laughs) So this will kind of represent what's here, um, if that's acceptable to everybody. Uh, But what I would like to do today is, um, uh, because i said that there's no certain way to do this, This is really not the way we usually do church is I say something and then you say something. That's done in the Catholic church and in the Methodist, they do that a lot. But I'd like to do that today because I felt like this would be a good way to dedicate our altar. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read something and then I want you to say, we dedicate this altar. I'm going to read something else and I want you to say, we dedicate this altar until we get through it. And then, if this altar should stand for something that I have not put here something that's very dear and special to you I want to give you the opportunity to come up and say this is what I would like to dedicate this altar for and let's make that dedication personal so if you would just stand to your feet please Lord we set this stone up today as a memorial that this is a sacred place God it's a place that we have set aside where we know we can always come here, God. And we know that your presence will be here. We're dedicating this altar, Lord, that it's all a place that we can always come and know that there will be other people who will pray and stand and believe with us, God. It's a place where we can come and lay our burdens down, Lord. It's a place where we can trust you. to hear and answer our prayer. Now, that the power and presence of the Holy Spirit will always meet, us, meet those who come here, we dedicate this altar to pray for and see the salvation of lost souls, that the believers will be empowered with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, That people will be free from the power of Satan in their spirit, their soul, and their body. That the body of Christ will grow in the unity of the faith and in the bond of Christian brotherhood. To strengthen those who are tempted. To embolden those who fear. To humble those who are proud. To anoint the sick that they be healed by the power of God. To offer light to those that are in darkness. To pray for and see families become whole and walk in the will of God. To pray for and see the life of the unborn protected. To pray for protection for those who are persecuted for Christ's sake. To pray for those who serve on the mission field, that they find favor, that they are protected spirit, soul, and body, and that they reap a great harvest for Christ. To pray for the lonely and the broken hearted. To comfort all those that mourn. To pray for the schools and the teachers to know Christ and to be led by his spirit. To pray for the local and national leaders that they would be led by the spirit of God. Last and not least, to pray for the peace and the safety of Israel. Did I leave anything out? Something special to you? Very good. That we would pray for and see... Victory on the battlefield, safety, mercy, sound judgment upon all the branches of our military forces, both on foreign lands and here on our own soil. We dedicate this altar. Not only to pray for, but let to minister to those who are walking through life without their mate and help them through that season of loneliness. The lost souls, yeah. Our lost family members. Yes, I had that right there at the front. Pray for the salvation of lost souls, especially those close to us, our family members. That we would pray for and find the wisdom, the understanding, and the knowledge to both direct and believe God to keep our children when they are out from under us, when they go out on their own. We have to trust you, God. We dedicate this altar. not only to pray for the local and national leaders of our nation but also of our churches that what you're saying in ministry the leaders in ministry because they have a bigger target on them than most people if a person in the pew falls few people see that if a person in the pulpit falls everyone sees that and it affects the body of Christ so for that reason to pray for and see The leaders in the church on the uh, local and national level and around the world strengthen and to be faithful to follow God. We dedicate this altar. In the new wave of People seeing the police officers as their enemy, and because your word is declared in Romans thirteen, that they who take up the sword of authority do not do that in vain, but they are the servants of God. Therefore we're to submit to them, and that understand that law enforcement are ministers of the of God. And so We pray for and believe for the safety and the protection, and also the fairness and good, wise judgment when a man puts a badge on that he doesn't abuse that authority and that power, but he honors the meaning of that badge and he is respectful to those that he serves, but most of all, that he's protected. He doesn't, he doesn't fear to do his job for fear of some kind of reprisal for doing his job. That you would just change the hearts of the American people to realize that law enforcement is good and not evil. They're for us and not against us. And for that purpose, we dedicate this altar. The head, hold, the head of the household, that men would rise up and take their place as the high priest in their home and lead their families. And not only that, but their wives will come alongside them and in unity will be their helpmate. And they will walk and serve the Lord in their home according to the word of God. And by doing that, see the blessing of God that comes upon their home by doing it God's way. It's always better to do it your way, Lord. And so we pray and believe for and believe we will see godly men, godly women, rise up, take their proper place in the home. And for that purpose, get this off. Lord, just as you prayed, I would that these would be one as you and I are one. May we be one with each other. If I'm understanding this right, Lord, we come and, and believe, God, that we will be in unity with you and with one another just as Jesus prayed. Uh, and so we we. Recognize, Lord, this is a place where we can come and work through that process and believe you and see that transformation take place in our life. And for that purpose, relationships will be healed. All relationships will be healed, restored, and blessed. Because too many times the enemy comes in and puts a wedge between people that are committed according to God's word to love each other, forgive each other. And sometimes we We take offence and we allow that offence to supersede what we know is right and true and good, holy and acceptable before God. And it separates us so that relationships would be restored they would be healed and restored and we would actually witness that before this sacred place and for that purpose I dedicate this altar from the courts at the lowest level all the way to the Supreme Court, that they would follow the guidelines that our forefathers with so much wisdom put in place and that they would always respect and honor our not only our constitutional right, but our God-given right to assemble and worship and praise freely here in this nation. We will assemble and pray and for that purpose, anyone else? Yes, sir. Okay. College kids going away. Yes, that they will be kept while they're in college because that's, a, that's the devil's field, brother. I'm telling you that uh, when our children go into the institutions of higher learning, many of the people there, I'm not going to say the institution itself, but many of the people there are dedicated to turn the hearts of your children away from God. That's their sole purpose for being there. So we pray that they'll be protected from that and from all the powers of darkness. And for that purpose... Dedicate this altar. Yes, I, I can't hear you coming. Hearts of flesh. soft hearts because the scripture says harden not your hearts as in the days of provocation some people's hearts are hardened so we, we just believe and pray God that this place will be a sacred place that as they approach it Lord their hearts will be softened the presence of God will do that Lord that your presence would be here to soften the hearts of the people that approach it Lord And the things that they may even be blinded to themselves, Lord, they'll be be able to see it because their hearts are softened by you and by the presence of your spirit here. And for that purpose, keep this off. If you think of something this week, write it on your stone or scripture that speaks to that because it might just seem like a a formality or some kind of a ritual or something. It's not. These are very, very spiritual things or they wouldn't be in scripture. I mean people throughout scripture have done these things and it had meaning and it pleased the Lord to see that. And I think stones have a purpose for that because it's so indestructible and its meaning is it's just serious, it's solid, and it, it's just there, it's not going to go anywhere, and so um, we'll do this with confidence that this is going to make this something special, you know, and, and I'm just going to, I'm going to believe God that when people come here, the anointing that was in the other sanctuary, we've had some awesome times around the altars, many of you Here have had some really some very intense moments with the Lord at that altar. I'm believing that this one is going to carry the same anointing and even greater Um, because we it's the Lord's. All this it belongs to God, you know. And so as we close, Lord, we God, we dedicate this altar to you, God. We today relinquish any ownership of anything here, God, including ourselves and our life. Lord, we relinquish ownership of this property. Lord, it, it is a tool that you have given us to do the work of the gospel. And so, Father, as we view this, Lord, this altar this morning, God, I pray that it will be a sacred place, Lord, a place where we can come and assemble before you. Lord, as the last act of dedication, uh, those that would like to join me at the front, I'd just like to just, for the very first time, Let's come now that the altar has been dedicated to the Lord. Why don't we just come and just stand before God's altar and uh, just kind of, I don't know, just say, Lord, I'm just giving myself to you today. To the vision that you have given us. God has blessed us with a beautiful facility. Church, I'm going to be honest with you. I never dreamed that it would be so beautiful I, I'm, t- I'm totally pleased with the way this thing turned out and to be honest I had no idea how it was going to look in here this altar was supposed to be in the center with a room over there and a room over here And as we consulted people and they said if you move it to the corner you'll get better acoustics and the walls have got zigzags in them for acoustics and all this stuff and we were going to have fluorescent lights in here and now we got all these LED lights and all these spotlights and it's just it was like the lord says your idea is not any good bernie (laughs) let's do it this way and it's just turned out so so beautiful and and we're going to take time in a service to thank everybody that has worked so hard but i I don't know just something i felt the lord leading me the very first thing you need to do bernie is consecrate my altar dedicate it to me make it a very special place where you can always come and meet with me where you can come and pray for one another where people can come and bring their burdens because sometimes people come in and their hearts are so so broken and they're carrying such a burden and they just need somebody to pray with them they don't need somebody to judge them they don't need somebody to, to necessarily counsel them just pray with them say i'm here And so I just felt the Lord saying, it's important that you do that this morning. So to kind of get started off on the right foot, I would like for us to just take a few minutes just to stand before his altar and say, Lord, it's yours. Not only that, but Lord, I'm yours. Here I am, take me and use me. As I surrender myself to you in this brand new facility and as we continue to fulfill the vision. While the worship team ministers to us, why don't you just come and spend a few minutes before the Lord. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope you are blessed and encouraged by it. Central Virginia Assembly of God is located on 5052 Cross County Road, Mineral Virginia, 23117. If you would like more information about the church, visit us at centralvag.org or call 804-514-2413. We would love to hear from you. God bless.